0: Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics, power and prejudices. This year, 2024, is an election year in America, a presidential election year. And so we will be doing two podcasts a week rather than our usual one, because we want to and because we know you can't get enough Americano in your life. On Friday, the 26th of January, last week, Donald Trump was ordered to pay more than $70 million to E. Jean Carroll, the writer who has accused him of sexual abuse over 25 years ago. That is a significant amount of money, even for a very rich person like Donald Trump. But there is some oddities about the story and the case of E. Jean Carroll And Lionel Shriver, our brilliant columnist, has written about them in this week's Spectator. For Spectator TV, I interviewed Lionel, um, but it was a very uh, interesting conversation, as it often is with Lionel, and I thought we should repeat it here on Americano. So I asked by asking her, uh, since the headline of her piece was, can Donald Trump get a fair trial, if that was a question to which the answer is no. Um, so here it is.
1: Almost always when, uh, when headlines are posed as a question, the answer is obvious. Half the time I don't read the article. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, next. Yeah. Um, I mean, the irony is that uh, Americans have always prided themselves on this notion that uh, all are equal before the law. And what we usually mean by that is that people in positions of privilege, who are wealthy, who are influential, are not going to be treated as if they're special. They're not going to get any concessions. They have to meet the same standards as everyone else. And this is one of those odd situations where I think being someone who is uh, influential and uh, is a a celebrity as well as, you know, uh, uh, at this point in the polls, Advantage to become president in the United States. This this unusual uh, appearance of privilege is actually a disadvantage for Trump, and it means that uh, he can't be tried like just anyone else. And there's there's no way that anybody in any of these trials, jurors or or judges, don't have an opinion about him to begin with. I mean, you you're not going to be able to find a jury anywhere that that approaches Donald Trump in a state of innocence.
0: Yes, well, we better be careful here in case we have to pay E. Jean Carroll uh, 80 million dollars. I know, dollars. we should we But, should but I think, uh, th- I mean, let's be clear that we don't know, we can't prove or disprove uh, no. the allegation and neither can she because there's, there's no evidence uh, for it beyond her word and the testimony of two of her friends um, who th- their own story got some scrutiny During the trial. Um, But what we can say is that uh, she um, is is a a writer of sort of uh, a lot of sort of erotic fantasy. She wrote a uh, Hunter S. Thompson, a book about Hunter S. Thompson, in which she sort of fantasized about being raped by Hunter S. Thompson. Um, She didn't, uh, I think it's confirmed now that she, in fact, I know it's confirmed now, that she had the idea to uh, sue Donald Trump for rape. Uh, after uh, going to uh, a resistance party, resistance being the sort of anti-Trump movement, she went to a resistance party in New York, and George Conway, uh, the husband of Kellyanne Conway, who uh, is very anti-Trump, suggested it to her. Um, It's not uh, a sort of normal uh, rape uh, story, um, and it's not uh, even a normal historic rape allegation. It's a very peculiar one. And Eugene Carroll, I think she's quite um, amusingly eccentric by the looks of her, but she is—it's not—it's not your kind of your, your classic story, is it?
1: Well, first off, of course, it's too old. Um, she waited a very long time to bring these charges, and we should note that um, even in, in civil terms, uh, the statute of limitations had run out, and this case was only possible because. In the wake of Me Too, uh, New York passed a law that made it possible for created a one time window uh, for sexual abuse victims to um, bring their charges to court in defiance of the statute of limitations having run out. Uh, and I question that law. I mean, it's a classic, uh, you know, legislation passed in a state of social hysteria, speaking to the urgency of the immediate moment. And that's a formula for bad legislation. I think that uh, statute of limitations on sexual ab- abuse charges are a good idea because uh, memories fade and, and evidence becomes non-existent. This is a very good example. There is no uh, material evidence for this ever having occurred. Um, aside from her having confided in a couple of her friends uh, after after it, it occurred. So uh, that's why it would never have stood up in criminal court wh- where you have to have uh, an overwhelming uh, certainty of guilt, whereas in civil court, it only has to be beyond 50% likely that this person is guilty. Um, which is much looser, and also further makes this the size of this award absurd. I think it's worth asking the question as to whether or not uh, E. Jean Carroll would ever have brought this suit if it weren't Donald Trump. I mean, this is another example of it's he's not he's not being protected because of his position; he's being attacked because of his position.
0: Yes. And so you think it, the, the combination of it being Trump and this uh, new New York law, the adult survivors law, um, makes it impossible. But I mean, the adult survivors law could actually be problematic for anyone, really, because it depends on a on a jury. Um, and in New York, uh, you're quite likely to get a, new, a jury that would be full of people who believe who think that believe all women uh, is, is a reasonable position
1: um i think of all places trump or someone like him does not have a chance in new york state i mean it's it's chock full of democrats yes and uh
0: and it's run by an attorney general who has pretty much uh come to power uh, on a pledge to get donald trump
1: yes which seems vaguely illegal to me <laughs> I, mean, I just i don't know how that's possible that y- you can um and Then you can run on a platform of going after a particular citizen in in the judicial system, and I, you know, this is part of a larger uh, picture because, of course, there are those four other um, tri- trials and the ninety one charges that we keep hearing about, and you know, it smells bad. I, uh, I, I agree with the what has become a mainstream view. Uh, on, on the right of center that uh, this is not uh, the way even if you want to this is not the way to take down Donald Trump you should he should be debated he should be defeated in the ballot box and not not in the courts and And I think because Democrats are not liking the look of the polls they're getting more and more motivated to go after Trump in the courts uh, I- including by taking him off the ballot altogether for example in in Colorado and Maine and i just think this whole approach is wrong headed uh it looks genuinely anti-democratic from people who never shut up about
0: democracy yes and not only is it failing to stop trump it could actually help him win
1: of course yeah and it, you know it feeds all the paranoia on the right that the democrats are out to get trump by any means possible <clears throat> and I think they're right. Yeah.
0: Could you give us a little bit of an insight uh, as an American who knows Britain uh, very well um, on the ways, different ways in which Americans and Brits think about the law? Because it's often seemed to me that Americans accept at some level that their legal system is more politicized because it is. Um, And then it means that when Brits look at legal American stories, we assume that the law has a sort of integrity that perhaps Americans don't give it. Is that a fair thing to say?
1: Maybe, but I think that there's a politicized element in the UK also, especially now that you have a Supreme Court. Uh, The decisions around Brexit were highly political, and uh, maybe that was new to a, a lot of Britons, uh, that the, the courts have their own opinions. I think to completely trust any justice system as unpolitical is naive because it's run by people and people have opinions and, and, and they have certain outcomes that they prefer uh, going in. So there's, there's, there's a political element to it anyway. And the, all that neutrality is a conceit. Uh, So, and, you know, obviously, with the situation of the Supreme Court in the U.S., uh, it, because justices are appointed by a particular president with a particular viewpoint and party, uh, so the court is, is eternally divided between liberals and conservatives, uh, yeah, from a distance, it, it looks bad, but I don't think it's that different in the UK. Uh,
0: and lastly, Lionel, I know it's uh, very rude to ask people how they're going to vote, and I, I won't do that directly. But uh, certainly four years ago, you supported Joe Biden over Donald Trump. Uh, I get you said at the beginning you're not a, you're not a Trumpster. We we I get that, but do you really think uh, four more years of Joe Biden would be uh, uh, better? than four oh, more years of Donald Trump.
1: I think four more years of Joe Biden will will or would be a catastrophe. I there is no good outcome for this election unless something changes. I mean the number of people who are convinced that at least the Democrats are going to replace Biden at the last minute is is very high. And I don't know what I, I can't tell the difference between uh sound intuition in this case, and wishful thinking, because people are so desperate that Biden not run again, and especially with Kamala Harris as his vice president. And as I understand the reasoning uh, on the Democratic side, it's, oh, you know, you you can't uh, push Biden into stepping down because then there would be this obligation to take Kamala Harris who would be roundly defeated against dog catcher. I mean, anybody, she, she would lose, I guarantee you, to anybody. Um, because, you know, she's part black and part Indian, and she's the first female vice president, and you can't insult these groups of people. I think that's a false, I think that's a false assumption. I think she's so widely disliked that that includes a huge number of Black people and Indian people and women, so uh, so that that's that's a false assumption, but that's that's the, that's the logic according to which you know I guess the heavies in the Democratic Party have have not leaned very hard on him to to reconsider, but uh, the, this if it goes ahead, Trump and Biden, there is no way I'm I'm going to be happy at the end of election night. I mean. I'm I'm going to be depressed regardless of what happens. And it's just a, a competition of, of, of which future strikes me as slightly more horrific. And honestly, <laughs> I think it's a dead heat.
0: Well, uh, I hope we'll have uh, many more updates from you as that depressing evening approaches. Uh, thank you very much, Lionel.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Freddie.
0: That's it for uh, that episode of the Americano podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I'd like to thank our brilliant spectator production team. Uh, Natasha Farrow my producer. Oscar Edmondson, who's sitting opposite me. And I would like to ask any listeners who have ideas as to who they think I should get on the podcast. Um, we're going to be doing two a week, so we have to come up with plenty of ideas this year and often you have much better ideas than I do so please do get in touch if you have an idea of a guest that you think we should try and get on the show or a subject that you think we haven't covered that we should be covering and please email that to podcast@spectator.co.uk, or you can get in touch with me directly on Twitter I think my handle is gray 31 which is depressingly how old I was when I set up my Twitter account Okay, please do that. Goodbye.